A nice little run lately you know it's like we started the podcast and we were like we're recording yeah. people in advance and yeah. like a crazy moving movies all that and then the pandemic hit and even at first people were like oh it's the pandemic i need to do the thing and start yeah. a podcast and i feel that you and i like tacitly just decided let's just take a moment take, take a, a beat yeah yeah let's let's make sure we're okay yeah. yeah it may feel selfish but this is a thing you should be selfish about I think you yeah. and I are good at the self-care. Like, right. Hey, I got to just, I got to, sorry, love you, but I got to like, <laughs> I got to sit and meditate or I got to uh, smoke a bone or I got to fucking, you know, listen to some records for an hour. And then, yeah, that, you know, yeah. which is I think what everybody needs to do. Yeah. And so, create when it, when it comes to you, not because you have, all of a sudden you have time where you're at home. Yeah. yeah. That's just, a, that's just a side note. I feel you, bro. I feel that's you. That's just a side note. Yeah. And so by the way, how are you? <laughs> oh yeah, there we go. <laughs> who am I talking to? Good, good call. I'm Kwaku, and who are you? I'm Atu, and this is Radio Zamunda. The dope shit. Yes, yes, yes. yes. All right. Um, who? Because this is another one of yours. You've been coming through with the dopeness recently. Yeah. Yep. Um, who? Who do we have coming on today? Yes. So I, I'm bringing in a person that um, it, it's a person that I've oh, I, I've been wanting to bring on. But like you said in the beginning, you know, things happen. You're doing I'm doing a movie. You're working this and that and the other thing. And it's always like, hey, man, hey, person, can you, uh, right. can you it's do weird. Your, Oh, and then you can't schedule it. So I'm, I'm excited to bring this person on um, and just to see if you can guess what this person does and uh, to hear this story and the way that this person got into what they do is, you know, it's a, it's a typical sort of radio Zamunda thing, but I always love the randomness about how people find out things. I always yeah. love the story that you tell me, like, you know, one of the ways you learned to sing was because, and why you sing loudly is because right. you were, when you were mowing the lawn, the lawn mower is really loud and you would just be singing to yourself, but loud enough to hear. And then suddenly I have this video that uh, I took of you um, the last time we were to, one of the last times we were together like years ago, years ago. And, and ladies and gentlemen, Kwaku can sing and he can sing loud. <laughs> Kwaku doesn't need a microphone and that's not in a bad way. Like he can belt like he's a Broadway singer, but he's got a really soulful, beautiful, rich voice. And I have this video of him just like plucking on one of my guitars and singing something. And I was like, this Fucker can't blow. Anyway, didn't tell me you were taping. I didn't tell because if I told you you were taping, you would be. uh, If I told you I was taping you, you'd be like, "Oh, don't tape me. I don't know. Was I bitchy? Was I lying?" I'm like, dude. One day I'm just gonna release some like uh um on you (laughs) (laughs) secretly. Uh, Anyway, so yeah, let's let's dig into this one because I'm uh, I'm excited to see uh, where this conversation goes. Let's do it. Shortest <laughs> podcast ever. Yeah, I'm going on the record. 
<laughs> totally. So yeah, we're, we're, let's just let's just let's just get right into it, man. Uh, first of all, you with the glasses, you with the glasses and the little naughty dreads. Who are you? I was just gonna say, it looks like Kevin and I like. I was looked I, in the I mirror this morning it, and yep. said to each other, "What yep. would Quaka wear? What would yep. Kevin wear?" Yep. <laughs> I mean, so. I I I will say I did think about my outfit and like. Could I lead Kwaku in a certain direction? Like, do I want to misdirect? Because I know there's a bit of a competition. I know. Oh, so you've listened. Oh, he's oh listened. yeah, I've listened. Oh, and, yes. But I, but I also know that Otto cheats. So I was <laughs> right? like, wow, you know I'm gonna, You're his I'm gonna you know what? I'm gonna dress like me. And wow. Let the cards fall. How so, yeah, this is go. going. Okay. People know. Right. I'm, I'm just, I'm just taking the, the like the Trump approach. If I just keep saying it, it's true. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> okay. So that said, who are you? <laughs> I, I'm Kwaku, and who are you? I'm Atu, and this is Radioism with the Dope. Shit. Yes. Yes. Okay. And so now <laughs> uh, I should have worn my card again. Okay. So here we are. <laughs> I'll take it off if it's better. No, no, no. I, I got it's mad card. In here. I thought I was the only one who still rocked the card again. It's 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 an oh, awesome. Timeless so. classic. Yeah, Wait a minute. is that also an Elliot Smith T-shirt you have going on there? Uh, it is, yes. See, okay. Wait, 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 okay. wait, 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 wait. He's you're getting nervous. Start, it's all see. part of the evidence. Yeah, I know. He's, to, he's getting nervous because like, now he's going to think. He, now he can't cheat because I'm picking up on, on the little. <laughs> see, I, I know you, Otto. Okay. I know you. Whatever, whatever. So anyway, <laughs> for those of you who might be uh, new to the Radio Zamunda shit, uh, what Kwaku and I like to do, our relationship is based on you know some, putting the other guy on to some dope shit that he might not know about. And so like I always say every, or one of us always says every episode, um, we had this idea at one point, yeah, we're going to like um, talk about music and movies that we like and stuff like that and art and like try to like um, set the other person up with something that he might not know and just have a com- conversation about it. And then Kwaku was like, I'll do us one better. Why don't we bring people on? that we are impressed with and introduce you or I to that person. And if you don't know them, then we have this great conversation about why we think this person is so dope. So this episode, I'm bringing on my boy, Kevin Diebold. I call him DBZ because he's my dude. Um, Mm -hmm. Say hi, Kevin. Hello. Hello, everybody. (laughs) I am Otto's dude. Yes. And so what's great about, so here's the, here's the section where now Kwaku, um, I'm assuming, has never seen Kevin, doesn't know anything about Kevin. And so Kwaku has no three guesses. My hands Three are guesses here. and no Googling. I want to see your hands at all times. Uh, you are to <laughs> guess what Kevin's uh, trade is, if you mm. will. Mm. Okay. Uh, well, the first thing I just want to go back and mention, I loved how you dropped a little bass in your voice when you were doing an impression of me. I just wanted to highlight that. Wow. 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 <laughs> Flattery will get you nowhere. Look at this, man. Look at you. <laughs> I just want to point that out because I, obviously everybody knows Otto has a deeper voice than I do. So I just wow. appreciated him bringing I mean, that bass. Wow. See, that's what I'm saying. You don't need All to right. show off. all right so kevin i'm looking at you i'm seeing uh i'm seeing some fine wood in the background some some um some excellent uh some framed photos black and white very classy matted it looks like you know uh uh and maybe a tiny little uh is that a glass of guinness or an acoustic guitar or both in the Uh, background both probably I'm seeing mm-hmm. both of those things, and mm-hmm. I'm thinking. I'm looking at you. I'm thinking. You got the T-shirt, the amazing colored cardigan. 
Excellent taste. Thank you. Um, one day we should release the videos. I'm just going to say, because they're really yeah. funny. Um, <laughs> Great. Are you involved with music production in some way? No. No, man. <laughs> Otto, could that smile be any bigger? I was going to say it. I mean, <laughs> like the shit eating brain on his face. Right? Bed. right? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it could get bigger. Oh, man. This is great. It's like all of the teeth as I enjoy <laughs> <Yeah>. this. Um, <laughs> Okay. Um, well, oof. All right. I thought that would be, I thought this was going to be an easy one today. Okay. Mm. Um, possibly uh, cinematography, specifically camera work, that sort of thing, or maybe not specifically camera work. I'm going to say, I'm going to say somewhere in the film realm. Uh, I, I, you know what? If this was Jeopardy, I would say that is uh, close enough. Uh, it is in the filmed realm, yes. Filmed, close enough. Two sweetest words or, to me. But no and cigar. This... No okay. cigar. Wow. You still got one more. You still got one more. You realize you win nothing if I don't guess <laughs> this, right? <laughs> I win bragging rights. But Fair. to who? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just to me. <laughs> Just Malone, guys. It's the fucking pandemic, man. Yeah. I mean, nothing. Kevin listens, and you know, the people listen. They realize. <laughs> okay. Um, so if I'm going to be more specific in the filmed works, um, uh, are you involved with uh, specifically the editing of? Uh... No. No. Oh. oh. No. Oh, All right, let's let's give Otto like a good like thirty to uh, fifty years to um, well, relish this. I, I thought because because what I love about I'll, I'll call him Kevin, but I call him DBZ, so I don't want to <laughs> confuse the uh, the uh, audience there. But like, mm-hmm. I'm looking at this picture of this man. He's got this great beard. He's got glasses on. He's got a great cardigan on. Great T-shirt. Mm-hmm. He's in mm-hmm. a wood room. Yes. He. He looks exactly like you would imagine his job is. That's I, the thing. I thought. I thought I didn't it was like think oh, that it would be. Uh, I would get called out right in the beginning. Yeah, like, I believe when Kyle was on, he got it right away. Yeah, yeah. Now, now I feel worse. Thank you. Both no, of no, you. no problem. No, no, no problem. <laughs> you know what? To be fair, though, like probably my shirt and the guitar and my yeah. other interests. Yeah. In the room pivoted you away from yeah. and, I, and I'm, not, I'm also and i also haven't like spotlit you in zoom like i should have done that now i know from now on i need to do that where i'm zooming yeah. in yeah. I like to analyze the frame i like to see go. everybody i don't yes. want to just like no you know. i know i do the same thing yeah. yes okay so uh now that i've been thoroughly embarrassed mostly by otto not by <laughs> you kevin um please share um your your passion profession the sure. thing if you will uh, my profession is I am a television writer. Newman, right? Don't don't look at look at the. I mean, I know the fans can't see this, but like the guy no, looks no, like I am prototypical. My God, guy. you should but have a typewriter. You no, know no, what I mean, right in front of you. Most people don't know what television writers look like. That's but, how we like it. But One writer. Period. I thought you go writer at least. I mean, the guy. Yeah. Look at him. I mean, I, I'm sorry for this me. is not a visual medium, but. He We've had writers like before, so I don't like to repeat my guesses. But nobody's been sitting in like an all wood office that like just looks like I, you know he's I, he looks like fucking Hemingway. This I is my love that, my, that this which is which is my all wood office. Yeah, yeah. But it's really just a former nineteen like seventies sauna 
three season room that was oh. converted into like a den ish. That's that even is better. Rad. That's even better. Like, yeah. oh, look at the, look at the, look at the skylight. skylight, which is covered with snow. And oh, I know it was a sauna room in the 70s because when I went underneath, there was an octagon, hectagon, uh-huh. yeah. whatever, whatever, however many sides a yeah, sauna a hot tub has. Yeah. It was apparently in the floor of this room. Wow. So, Rad. Yeah. Rad. Where are you? I am out in the wilds of New Jersey, about Ooh, 60 Jersey. miles outside of uh, New York City. Mm-hmm. The Jersey, the Jersey. Mm-hmm. The Jersey. Mm-hmm. So the way Kevin and I know each other is my, I guess it would be my first big television show where I was a series regular was this show called Copper, which was Mm. fucking awesome. It was set in the 1860s. That's where I met uh, Kyle Bradstreet, who was on before. Um, Yes. So Kyle and and, uh, Kevin and some others wrote um, the episodes, you know, the the created that show along with uh, obviously Tom Fontana. Uh, And it was um, just a, a fantastic experience as an actor. Like if that's your first experience, I'm working for the legendary Tom Fontana and Barry Levinson, and and I'm I'm a you know I'm playing a doctor, a black doctor in the 1860s in Five Points, New York City, and I'm learning how to drive a, a horse and buggy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I was like, holy crap! And uh, Kevin um, is an absolutely brilliant writer. He wrote one of my favorite episodes. Yes, Kyle did as well. But like the the team of them plus um whole bunch of other people wrote some really deep and moving episodes and wow i'm i'm actually reliving the moment um and we'll get to that at some point but he wrote an episode that uh tessa thompson plays my wife um and we'll get to that but uh just a, a brief synopsis um she has been sort of um she's gone she's she's suffered a lot of trauma because her brothers were killed by a lynch mob right outside the you know right outside In the show the, in the show. Yes, 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 yes. Shout out to my girl, Tessa Thompson. Anyway, um, and Kevin wrote this incredibly uh, visceral sort of like the girl comes out of her shell episode uh, of Copper. But um, I mean, that's when I knew I was in love with him. I was already in love with him before. But like when he <laughs> dropped that episode on us, I was like, bro. Oh, and you a white guy? <laughs> Shit. You know what I mean? So that that's you know, that's the background on how I know Kevin Diebold, and we've been friends ever since. He's just a dope dude. He's a very man. very lucky man to just yeah. happen to uh meet up around that time and have our paths collide and yeah. we got to do some great stuff and spend a lot of time in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I say this just to begin? I love how like uh under the radar and humble all the writers are that you bring on to the show because like you know it's like we we have these conversations and i'm always like god i hope i can ask something meaningful because i'm not a writer (laughs) or an actor i just watch a lot of netflix and then the first question that came to mind is like how does it feel to know that your craft actually drives 90 percent of what happens in the world now it didn't feel that way when we were kids when we were younger but literally being a storyteller drives everything that we do yeah how does that that was the first question that came to mind you're like yeah well you know we got lucky and we got to spend time in toronto (laughs) i I think the i think the thing that helps keep me uh uh i don't know grounded or whatever the the word is is like 
crippling self-doubt and imposter syndrome like oh, we all have that yeah all the time every time no matter what so any yeah. successes are flukes that happened because of many different things and the next things will inevitably be failures so that's how it must be the sweater <laughs> i feel the same way it must be the sweater <laughs> it's take it off and it'll go away i wish if <laughs> only. and also writers are the most stepped on people i think on set do you know what i mean it's like um, I, I like to think of myself as an actor who I think is also because I've written before, but not at the level that Kevin has. But like, so I I appreciate the words. I appreciate the work the work that goes into writing. But I think there's a lot of people who don't. You know what I mean? So like, the writer is always like the guy who like he'll he'll write something and then the actor will get it and go. I don't like this line. Okay, blah, 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 what? And you know what I mean? And then you have to mm. scramble to write something better for me. And it's not going to be better. It's just because I can't do it. And then you've got to like think on the fly to write something quickly to appease my ego or the actor's ego, which I think is really, sure. really funny. I mean, I'm not going to say that's never happened. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not going to say like that the initial thought that goes through your mind is like, do you understand how long it took to get to just having that sentence there yeah. and those words in those places and the punctuation and everything else? But sure, no problem. I'll throw it out and I'll think of something in the next five minutes because everybody's waiting for it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but all the people you know, are standing it, around looking at you. Yeah. Yes, always. Like the crew and yeah. But it's really, what it? I think what it is like. I think you can get it on all sides. I think you have people yeah. who you know just are more focused on what they're doing and don't appreciate the different aspects of mm. film and television as like a collaborative project. Yeah. Um, and I, not to get ahead of myself, but like as someone who that is what I cherish most about the process mm. is the collaboration mm. because of where I came from and mm. how I came up. Um, I, I would never be frustrated by a question or suggestion from you because right. like I know and respect you as an artist and I respect your instincts and mm -hmm. for to, you know, bring as the person who has to bring it to life, you mm -hmm. have to understand it and believe it. And yeah. that's my job to get it there. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah. It's yeah. Sorry to cut you off. I mean, that's also something that I've experienced on a little level where like I've written things and I see it on the page. And then when you get that kind of actor who's like, you know, on their front foot and wants to do it or whatever, and you see the life it brings, like it's in your head, like, oh, this is great or this is great. But then when you get like the right actors and then you're sitting in the crowd and the crowd is laughing or reacting to something you wrote, but you realize that the actor has given it the dimension that you didn't even see that like i love that uh idea about collaboration dude it's always okay. my hope like it's always my hope about anything is that uh like i i take it to a certain point and now i hand it off and i mm. want to see everyone else plus it and mm. make it even better yeah and you know it it sometimes it happens sometimes it doesn't it all depends on like you know how everybody works together and you know everybody has a different level of engagement and everybody yeah. People have good days, bad days. You never know how it's gonna yeah. how it's gonna end up. Yeah. So you said something very interesting based upon where you're from and, and what you've been through, which is a nice segue 
you are. into the next portion of this, which is, mm -hmm. you know, what is it? The artistic journey? What the origin story. The origin. See, there goes the bass. The mm -hmm. origin story. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I know what games you've been playing. You're like, you're like your COVID gaming oh, voice oh, there. Oh, God, yeah. God. <laughs> it's, it's the worst because, like, my natural inclination is when I am, like, on under focus or, like, when I have to just talk, like, stressfully, mm -hmm. my my register goes up and up and up because it placates people when you seem unthreatening. But, uh, you know, then I'm talking, you got him who's just like dropping. The <laughs> He's like oh, summer preview base. Yeah. You guys have never seen me in front of my parents, though. It, it drives me crazy because suddenly I'm like, hi, dad. And I'm like, yes, 100%. 48. Yes, that's what happened. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay, so <laughs> sorry, just I got a little visual there, yeah. Kevin. Yes, where are you from originally? Th at this uh, point, you tell us as much or as little as you want, but we, I'd love to hear like how you went from you know being small, Kevin, you know, yeah. maybe less less hair here, a little definitely more definitely less hair, mm -hmm. um, more hair, I'm yeah, you know, hair just now. like flip flopped. Um, we're talking beard to chin or beard to head here for people who can't see, um, to where you are now as a writer, like where are you from originally, all of that. Yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> I grew up kind of all over the Northeast. Like I was born in Buffalo. That's where my family was from, you know, mm -hmm. uh, humble beginnings and all of that. And then when I was real little, we moved to New Hampshire, uh, cause my dad got an opportunity there and, then we moved to Pennsylvania to a little area called Lancaster, which mm -hmm. is uh, Amish yep. country. Mm -hmm. and, uh, that's where, like, that's where I, I I did like you know my elementary, second half elementary, junior high, and high school years, and that's probably where I first started getting into like the arts and and all of that. I took a I took a theater class or an acting class on a whim. Mm -hmm. uh, probably because I didn't want to take another math class or something. I don't know. <laughs> and I just happened to luck out and get, uh, you know, not everybody has these teachers, but those of us who have gotten a teacher, which kind of changes the trajectory of your life, whether you mm -hmm. know it or not. Mm -hmm. uh, she was one of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And was Pat Cowder. And she was just like, I don't know. She, she, she just tapped into something that I hadn't really considered before in terms of like theater because that was my focus at the time. Uh, like that's, that's what she turned me on to. I didn't never thought of it as something that I would be interested in being involved in or doing. And, um, so yeah, like that, that kind of set me on a path, which then, uh, like ever, ever since that first class theater and acting and storytelling and, you know, all the creativity around that, um, was just kind of part of my life. Mm. Uh, like I, it's and you know in, in terms of my journey as a writer that came later um you know i went to school to study theater i went to ithaca college mm -hmm. in uh in upstate right. new york right and there i got uh i did the drama program which was like a general ba program because i was like well you know I had kind of done a little bit of everything in high school. Like really the only theater thing you can either do is like tech or acting. And I did right. probably more on the acting side, but like I never really saw myself as being an actor because mm -hmm. I, even if I had some skill at it, I could never 
foresee myself like putting myself out there in a way mm-hmm. like the yeah. constant rejection i knew inherently yeah. was way too crippling <laughs> yeah. for someone with the self-doubt right um so like in my general degree i got to do uh stage managing and playwriting and directing and um you know every different aspect of the theater which i loved and it was a great mm-hmm. environment and you know i got to meet a lot of um amazing people and then after college, it brought me to New York, where I continued working in the theater. And um, I uh, like my first job was running like an off-off Broadway box office. Uh-huh. Like, oh wow! And then uh, from there, I ended up working at um, a bunch of theaters, uh, the Tribeca Performing Arts Center downtown in New York um, on Chamber Street. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, lots. It's a great venue. Lots of yeah. different places. It's on like the BMCC campus. Yeah. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. And then uh, 2001 September happened, mm-hmm. uh, and I was working down there, um, and I had my own experience on the day. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say, were you there? In yeah, the it was. I, uh, I it was on Chamber Street, which is about a block and a half away, like yeah. my office and my you know where I was working. Yeah. <laughs> And I lived in Queens at the time. Um, and so I took, uh, I would, a lot of times I would just take the subway right to World Trade because mm-hmm. it was a quick block uh, walk. And I, that day I had wanted to go to the um, uh, Borders bookstore there to yeah. pick uh, some stuff before work. And then I came out and uh, the, you know, the, not to bring things down, but like sure, sure. the first plane had already hit and mm-hmm. Didn't really know it was happening. And then when I was standing there underneath it, the second one hit and wow. I ran. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was yeah. fucked up. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, so then uh, my job there kind of changed because obviously there's no, nobody's putting on shows and the theater mm-hmm. is functioning and it mm-hmm. was actually taken over by the um, rescue workers as like a triage center. Mm-hmm. Right. So they can mm-hmm. treat people. So <clears throat> I guess I was fortunate enough in that um, I was able to still work. They brought us back to work at the college because it was on a campus of the community college there. Yeah. And I believe they ended up, if I remember right, they put me in the admissions office um, just to, um, so I could continue to get paid and do work. But yeah, right. Uh, coming back there every day for, you know, a couple months at the time was, yeah. In retrospect, I think I probably had a, a quite a bit of PTSD that I didn't really realize or right. deal with. And it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, clearly, I, I mean, I remember that day. I mean, I worked around that same area um, only that the job I had two jobs. One was um, I was doing what was it called desktop publishing as a temp job um, at the Merrill Lynch, which was not at the Trade Center, but like the block over on the other side of the West Side Highway. But I just happened to be um, I, I had another job as a cons- computer consultant, so I happened to be in Jersey when all that stuff happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm only asking because I remember, you know, I, you know, being uh, also in a new, in New York at that time. I mean, that that was obviously it was a hellhole. Number one and number two, it was hard to even get down there. So, like, did you yeah. have to go all the way down there every I, day? Yeah, I, I I remember like the trains wouldn't go all the way down because obviously they weren't functioning. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I, I, if I remember, I, I, I would have to take the train to um, Canal and then yeah. walk. 
That's oh, as far wow. as you go when you go below canal. Yeah. And so you're literally walking towards the site every day, mm -hmm. right outside the windows Shit. of the um, admissions office, which faced the West Side Highway, where yeah. the barges where they were just carrying all of the debris oh, away. Oh, man. Shit. Yeah. So, yeah, I was in a pretty bad place. And yeah. um, I, <laughs> uh, one of those amazing people that I went to college with happened to call me up. Mm -hmm. And he was like, hey, I'm, uh, I'm working on a TV show. And I'm guessing you're not really thrilled with where you are right now. Would you want to come and be a PA for the writer's office? Right. And, and, and I'm offering you health insurance as well, which I had never had. <laughs> so you're like, you had me, hello. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was like, sure, where is yeah. it? And they were yeah. like in New Jersey. And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Jersey people. And I say that now as, a, as an adopted son. Yes, yes. Um, so yeah, so my I ended up I got lucky enough uh, that they brought me on to replace someone as the uh, writer's assistant on mm -hmm. a little TV show called Ed. Oh yeah, on NBC, which was about a bowling alley lawyer and the I... things that happen in that town. Yeah, my sister that loved show. that show. Really, you watched I, it? Loved I, it. I love uh, when we finish. We'll we'll talk about some of the people on the show, but I loved yeah. that show. Yeah, it was so weird. Yeah. It was so weird. It was like, it, and it was like a show that, uh, you know, at the time it didn't. Not a lot of people watched it, but we still got four seasons out of it. But like, of course, today, you know, the amount of people that watch that, if people watch that today, it's basically the same as like a critical success. But yeah, yeah. but it was a, it was. I, I think what I got most out of it was, you know, there were some great people that came through the show and worked on staff and. Mm -hmm. And it was a whole new industry and um, aspect of like art and storytelling that I had never been exposed to. Mm -hmm. I never really expected to because it always seems something that's completely unattainable, right. which for the most part it is. And I was just lucky and privileged enough that like the cards fell as they were and I happened to get in there. Um, right. And so, you know, I, for those years I was a, PA and a writer's assistant on the show, which mostly detailed like running around and getting anything that anybody needed at any time. Right. Mostly right. the bosses, you know, whether was it, it meant, like, like research or getting coffee. It was like, a little or, bit of research, yeah. a lot of getting coffee, a lot Got of it. getting uh, <laughs> meals, a lot of yeah. like, hey, you know what? We, we heard this is great uh, hot dog place down in Newark. Can you go drive and get 40 of them? Got it. Got sure. it. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, oh, actually, before you go further. Like, yeah. Can you can you double back a little bit? You said you're exposed to like these things that you hadn't been exposed to as far as like art and writing. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I, I guess it's like I never like a lot of people. I never really thought of television in how it's made. Mm -hmm. It was always just something that I watched. Yeah. And, I, and it happened somewhere in California. Mm -hmm. That's all I knew. <laughs> and I never really put any more thought into it. And, you know, like as somebody who grew up and you know, uh, had a lot of, like, obviously I loved the theater and the ability to tell stories and I loved to read. And, um, you know, it was it, like, uh, uh, stories have always been something that like attracted me. Um, I never really thought of television in that way uh, for whatever reason. I think it was just how, when we grew up, it was, yeah. it was not respected in that way as say mm -hmm. like a movie is or mm -hmm. a novel is. Mm -hmm. Or a play. Uh, yeah, or a play. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, which isn't to say, like, 
you know, Ed was the highest of art forms, but it was just seeing the nuts and bolts and seeing how it compared to what I did know, which right. was theater. You mm -hmm. have a script, you have actors, mm -hmm. you have all the different departments coming together to try to make one thing, which goes up live mm -hmm. for a certain period of time that they put on film and then mm -hmm. put it together into a show that other people get to enjoy and laugh at or cry mm -hmm. at. And, mm -hmm. and so I was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. Um, I really like, I, I love the people that I'm working with. It seems like a livable wage, uh, that I get health insurance at. And, there you, go. you know, I was working 16, 17 hour days. And most of those entailed like driving around New York city and dropping off scripts to like actors and producers doors at like three mm -hmm. or four in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um, because before people would email. get stuff via email, yeah. like there was one <laughs> right. person that I got to fax, uh, Michael Ian Black, his script every night, because, nice. which was <laughs> I always appreciated that as an assistant. Nice. Um, That's a funny but yeah, it was just a new world. And uh, so from there, I ended up, um, after that ended, uh, I was, uh, I got lucky enough to get an interview with Tom Fontana, mm, um, who was looking for a new assistant for like the first time in like seven years. Um, mm. His longtime assistant was leaving. And mm. um, I think Kyle talked about it on his episode, but like Tom views his job as uh an apprenticeship, yeah. um, you know, you become mm -hmm. his assistant, mm -hmm. he'll help teach you what he knows. And when the opportunity arises, he'll hand you the chance to do it. Um, He's like the godfather. He's yeah. like the godfather. No, it is. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's something which uh, I feel like doesn't happen as often as it should yeah. nowadays. It, Cause it's yeah. an apprenticeship and, yeah. and almost every other aspect of film and television works that way. Like every crew member, whether you're a grip or whether you're a camera, you start off, you learn and you work your way up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, writing is a little uh, less uh, regimented like that. Mm -hmm. um, now, had so, you written anything before or was there any aspiration for writing or... Well, this is where the imposter syndrome and yeah. out. <laughs> here we go. You know, there was, uh, you know, sure. There were like plays in high mm -hmm. school and college and right. short stories and things like that, but nothing I would ever have shown to anyone. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like, I think, I think the deepest collaborative storytelling I was, uh, had done to that point, like was Dungeons and Dragons in high school, which, <laughs> which I have to say which was, an incredible outlet and creative tool. Don't sleep like, on that. Oh, that is too. Seriously, I am not, when I was like, a kid. I mean, I will say, like, I, I wish uh, listening to other people, like, uh, again, the amount of quality guests and people that you've had on talking about, like, the way they're changing the world and all these things. <laughs> It, I did not reach that bar, but like even to, like listening to Kyle, who, you know, I, I love Kyle. He's one of my closest friends, mm. but like our origin stories are very different mm. right? because he loves Hemingway and literature. Yeah. And like, he has these like deep, like emotional thoughts and wrestling with great idea, like the, the big ideas. Yeah. Um, and for me, like as a kid, I would love to say that like Hemingway was my inspiration, but it wasn't. It was yeah. like the pulp Dragon Lance and Forgotten Realms, like oh. themed novels, like that. Yeah, that's that, why like, we're boys. That I would just burn through. That's why we're boys. Because it, it was like, you know, oh, groups of people coming together to conquer, like, you know, it's these mm -hmm. timeless stories. And, mm -hmm. and like to be able to play those games with friends, which 
it is collaborative storytelling, like Dungeons and collaborative storytelling with like a framework of like rules and dice. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Which allows anyone to kind of like create their own world and experience and life and themes and explore all of this stuff, which, um, you know, I think since then I was always kind of chasing. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. I can't remember. I don't know how I got on them. <laughs> no, no, no worries. I want, I want to go back way back for a second. Cause you said something interesting, um, um, that, that we kind of glossed over, but um, I think it connects to where we are now. But you, you mentioned, I forget the teacher's name, your elementary yeah. school teacher. Um, and you, thank you for going back to high school this. teacher. Yeah. yeah. And, and you said she introduced you to something or she turned you on to it. Can you expand on that a little more, what it was? Uh, I think it, it, it's... She, the way she, she was the first teacher I ever had who spoke to us not as children. Got she never him. talked down to us. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we were freshmen in high school. Mm -hmm. uh, so in a lot of classes, like, yeah, sure, they probably should have talked down to us. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's not that she treated us as adults, but she treated us as like, more complete people and mm. you know for her like for some people they took the class and they were like oh we get to play you know improv games or yeah. you know do things you know movement exercises or monologues and you know it's a it's a jerk off like i'm gonna just you know screw around for an hour and i yeah. have to call it school yeah. right. but like when we would she would show us clips of things and start talking about performances and she just had a way of bringing stuff out in you that you didn't really realize was there. Mm. And I think I had never thought about like sharing an emotional experience or a story or like connecting with people on the other end, which mm -hmm. like if in theater, it's the audience. Mm -hmm. And I never really had, I'd never experienced that connection before. Right. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it, uh, in private, sure. Like I love talking and, having fun and telling stories with people, but like to put yourself or a piece of yourself out there mm -hmm. and to share it with them, whether it's like a need like joking or whether it's deeply emotional or right. in my case, it's usually a combination of both. Mm -hmm. uh, it just was never something that I had ever experienced before. And that kind of rush, which I know, you know, like, yeah when when that connection happens and you get that reaction mm -hmm. like you said from the audience mm -hmm. it there's nothing like it it's yeah. it's an it's an electricity and it yeah. and it, and it's 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 something that you know she kind of was like yeah you could you could do this with your life you know mm -hmm. like this this just doesn't have to be something that you take for a semester in freshman year like right. you could continue to do this yeah. and yeah, she it was it was something that she kind of fostered through my entire high school career and and turned into lots of different things. Whether oh, was, so she stuck with it. Yeah, no, yeah. she she was an incredible person. Like she, mm. you, like in these classes, you know, she would talk about Meisner and yep. mm -hmm. would be showing like film clips of certain actors and speeches, and she would analyze like plays and moments that you know what what it meant to. But she was also a dancer, which. Mm -hmm uh for oh, schools that. you don't have that so she, every yeah. year she would put on something called uh dance theater which was like a, a unique uh, a unique show along a theme every year mm -hmm. which combined like acting and storytelling with movement 
mm-hmm. which was really her bag. And she, you know, we were in Pennsylvania. And so every year she would like take students to go see, um, you know, dance ensembles in Philadelphia. And, mm-hmm. you know, we went to New York to see Ailey and it was mm-hmm. like, it, it, I mean, I'm not a dancer now, but sure. I, I, it was something I was like, okay, sure. Like, yeah. I trust you. You're going to take yeah. me on this journey. And, um, it just opened up my eyes to like all these other outlets of creativity and expression. Yeah, th- this is one of the things I'm always curious with, with all these, you know, those origin stories. And I wonder, you know, if she was your physics teacher, do you think you would be a, f- um, you know, a physicist now? Is it is it her that did it? Or did was there something innate in you that she just luckily sort of found? It's a great question. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't know for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I have to say, like, I feel like there were elements of me that just happened to fit into what she did. And she Mm -hmm. was that good enough of the teacher to kind of light those sparks. Like, I want to I want to say, like, the Tinder was in there Mm -hmm. and she just struck the match, you know, because whether it was my love of comic books or like Mm -hmm. reading and fantasy and like all of that, you Mm -hmm. know, it 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 just kind of like set something off but mm. i don't know maybe i'd be better off if it was uh physics in the long run or engineering no, no or I, I think I, so i think you'd be a shitty physicist <laughs> i probably would be. i wouldn't go that far you're, you're I, I don't an know. awesome like writer that. yeah <laughs> I, it did it does sound like she did like validate uh intimacy for you you yeah. know what i mean because it wasn't like it, it did i mean and you know we're hearing about this in like a like a 15 minute span but it doesn't sound like she was like hey kevin and correct me if i'm wrong you should do this. This is where you should, but more, it sounds like she was really great at sharing the things that she was passionate about and yes. making pe- and helping people to connect with it, which yeah. is, which was inspiring to you to mm-hmm. do the same thing because the way you, the way you describe D and D, and I've done a little bit of D and D, but not obviously to the level of both of you, but you knew if you were with a really good dungeon master, yeah, like, man, I, Nothing I can you. see this stuff. Mm-hmm. This is pre video games. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And so it, it feels like she inspired you to do that, which in a way it feels like you're still doing with like this collaborative storytelling piece. Without, yeah. Without a doubt. Like she, it, it was always through the lens of, I love this. I find this to be amazing. This mm-hmm. is what I love to do. Mm-hmm. And I want to bring you along on the journey with me. Like, oh, and, awesome. and I, I want you to get out of it, whatever you want to get out of it. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, as a teacher, she was able to, I think if you went into most schools and you said, uh, okay, we're going to do a dance theater piece every spring, <laughs> you would get the kids who were the theater kids right. and maybe some of the music kids. Right. Uh, but that's really it. But for her, she was able to pull in football players, mm. math, like yeah. a wide spectrum of uh-huh. kids participated in it simply because I think they all felt something seen by her, mm. you know what I mean? And wanted to be a part of it. And, and, okay. and, and like, that's where the, like, again, collaboration, like all working together to create something is this, uh. Oh, it's this, 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 there's something about it that you don't get in a lot of other aspects of your life, yeah. especially nowadays. Like everything yeah. we, we do is so individual and siloed in siloed, a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Do um, you feel that you have to uh, be creative collaboratively to truly be seen for who you are? Wow, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, 
I mean, I think, I think I feel that my most honest expressions and um, the most honest parts of me that I share are usually through collaboration mm -hmm. because I feel safer mm -hmm. that way, maybe that there is a trust or if I, you know what, that's probably, that's, a, that's a cheat. That's probably not true. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not that I feel, it's not that I feel safer in that or that, that there's a trust. I think I feel I'm able to hide more mm. because I'm passing it on. Right. And if I'm being more, honest, if it's because hiding more, can you share more? Yes. Because, because, you can share, be, like, because I have to put it through all these series of hands. Right. There's going mm. to be a director. There's going right. to be an actor and they're all going to put their little spice on it. Mm. Nobody's going to be able to track back that, it, that you know, <laughs> this, little, this little confession here or this little like honest, uh, scared, ugly part of me mm -hmm. comes from me. Mm -hmm. I, I, they won't be able to track it back, but you know what? Maybe I could still share it anyways, because it's honest. Mm. What, what you're describing, that's how I feel about music. Mm. Yes. People are going to be listening to the guitars. They're going to be listening to drums. People never listen to the words. You know, I love the way you just analyze that. The idea of being like, and that's why, that's why I went down this road of like being seen through that creative collaboration where you can take that chance to really share that weird kernel. Yeah. Because it's mixed in with the jumbo or the jambalaya of everybody else's thoughts and, yeah. and flavor palettes. I mean, it's, it's a great question because I don't think I've ever, <laughs> I don't think I've ever forced myself to look at it through that lens before. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm a person who a lot of times just goes from thing to thing and keeps doing it because this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. Um, and I don't always want to turn the lens back on myself and see like, where do things come from and what makes you do these choices? But I think, yeah, like the, uh, as someone who is insanely like in love and obsessive about music and it's a huge part of my life, like I get so much emotion from so many pieces of music and what they mean at different parts of my life. And mm -hmm. especially over the last year, like I have to, yeah, bro. like there were, there were so many periods over the last year where like, you know what, I need to listen to this specific span of time in my right. life mm -hmm. and these albums mm -hmm. because it gives me a sense of this is who i was i was safe and everything was okay during this time so it, it's like a time machine it brings me right back to where something was and yeah the the i wish i could express myself as well as like an amazing piece of music or song can do right. i don't think i can but maybe someday well, it sounds like you do in the sort I was of, in, the, in the collaborative. I mean, I've, right. I've I've had direct experience of it. You know, the the episode. I mean, you you wrote. A, you know, you were part of a lot all the episodes essentially of of Copper, but the one that you wrote specifically, or that you were the head writer of, which I can't remember the um, the title of that episode. I but don't um, the titles either. Yeah, but it, it was so beautiful, and and of course you have Tessa Thompson, you know, uh, playing the character who's coming out of her shell. So the, that's also easy, you know. So um, uh, that episode was just it was sort of striking, and I remember reading it the first time and being like, "Damn, Debo, <laughs> shit, you put your foot in this one, motherfucker, shit." Okay. Well, I mean, like, again, like with the collaborative effort and all everything, like it was I knowing you. Mm -hmm. And knowing her mm -hmm. and knowing where I felt we weren't able to give you guys 
the best that we could the first year because sure, sure. so many things were planned out. Yeah. Going into that next year, I was like, I, I know how incredible they are mm. and I want to make them like, I want to give them something that they can sing with and yeah. like, just like, <clears throat> so that, that was a real focus that we took in, 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 in hitting those moments. And, you know, I don't know, I, I put it out there and I knew no matter what, even if I couldn't get it over the goal line, that mm. you guys were going to just yeah. run with it and make me look good no matter what. So. We appreciated that. So, <laughs> man, <laughs> that was dope. <laughs> so the, the common theme here is that Kevin undersells his greatness. I just want to. Yeah, he's another one that of out there. mad, humble motherfuckers. Yeah, You dude. know what I mean? How yeah. do you surround yourself with these people? It's got to be I annoying. don't know because I'm the one who's like, look <laughs> yeah, how great I am. Up the air. <laughs> no, I mean, I, rem- I remember when we first met. Yeah. And I, I think you and Kyle talked about it, but like mm-hmm. sitting down next to Otto at like the, the family dinner of like meeting yeah. everybody on the show, mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, fuck, here's like this guy already looked, he's like, he's got this cool vibe about him. He's tall, like, he's, he's good looking, he's smart. Tall, good looking dude, smart. Like, this was before I knew he was actually like smart and like <laughs> got like, it went went to where he went and got the degree that he got. Like, I didn't even know about any of that until later. I just knew, right. like, okay, well, he's successful enough to be an actor on a television show. There you go. So you, you automatically hate him a little bit, right? I was already like, oh, God, here we go. And then pretty quickly in that first dinner, I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, he's a fucking nerd. Like, yeah, right. yeah. Right. Right. I yeah. was like, okay, okay, yeah. I get it. All right, now, now, all right, yeah. Now, yeah. now, he's like, well, I feel much more comfortable, and I think, uh, I think this is gonna be. Fun. Yeah, it was an instant connection because you know they crammed the writers all the way on the end of the table. It's like sit over there. We were lucky to sit at the, at at any table. I think <laughs> the writers are here. What are they doing here? Kevin's <laughs> like, wait a minute, I don't have to bring out the plates. What's going on? <laughs> Just sit in the corner. Don't. Don't draw any attention to yourselves. <laughs> sit there and eat. Don't embarrass us. So glad I sat there. Like honestly, like that was yeah. that was great. I still remember that, and I still remember that whole time in Toronto. Even though Toronto got fucking cold, and it was a long time, but it was a great time. It was a great time. Yeah, it was. All right, so, but, Kevin, you were you interviewed with Tom, yes, to be his apprentice. You're yes. wrestling with the imposter syndrome because yeah. all um, in. Well, I mean, always, but you're like, there's this guy who's this amazing writer, and you're like, yep. all right, well, I've I've been a writer's assistant and a PA yep. on can, a moderately it, yeah. successful but kind of strange TV show. Once yep. again, I loved that show. And, awesome. and, and pause for one second, Ed. Who was the lead of Ed? Tom Cavanaugh was the lead. Is he? Uh, is he a? Here's a bowling pin from Stuckyville. Wow, that's what I'm talking about, dude. Wow. Uh, and yeah, he's, is he a tall, him. like, uh, brunette guy? Yes. I think okay. he's on The Flash now. Uh, lovely. You know what? I've, I got to say, out of all, like, I've worked with a lot of actors and a lot, like, and you know how number ones are, uh, you mm-hmm. never know. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Show. They could go yeah. either way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely lovely guy. Like, yeah. totally personable, really set like a. We're the, all the, there's nothing like a good number one. Um, and I've been yeah. lucky just about every single been, time I've worked. Pretty damn lucky. Yeah. Everyone has been like, like, whoo, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the reason why I asked about him is because I just remember uh, 
no, Kwaku, you weren't there, but we, I had some, I had a dinner for a bunch of friends at a, some restaurant. I think there was some premiere and I took a bunch of my friends out and, you know, having a nice time at some Tex-Mess restaurant or something like that. And I think he was there and my sister-in-law was there and I recognized him, but I had never seen the show Ed. And so my sister-in-law was like, oh, that's, that's Ed, that's Ed. And I'm like, <laughs> and she's like, you know, you're, you're on TV. Don't you know him? I'm like, I don't know him. I don't know him. So, so we're like leaving, we're kind of leaving and I'm like leaving with people and she comes with me and she's like, we got to take a picture. I'm like, dude, I don't do that. I'm Please not going to bother the right, guy. Right. right. He she, totally she literally checks me into him. Yes. And so I bump into the Ed guy and I'm like, I'm so sorry, Tom Cavanaugh. And he's like, no, my bad, dude. And then, and then my, and then my uh, sister-in-law's like, I was like, I'm so sorry, dude. Can you take a picture with my, my sister-in-law and my, and he's like, yeah, dude, nicest dude. He's like, cool. And he's like this angle, like that angle, boom, 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 boom. And it was done. And I, I almost killed her. I was like, you will never come to another premiere ever in your life Uh, if you ever do that she's like i'm sorry i love him anyway that was a little detour but like totally worth it kavanaugh good dude all right great dude it was a great cast julie ball and everybody else like they were all awesome they're all good people that's awesome that's awesome so then ed then so like let's then yeah i interviewed with tom and uh I think I got the job because a my family was from Buffalo, which yep. you know, I was born That's there. Big with that about. dude, yeah, big Buffalo guy. Loves mm-hmm. to support fellow Buffalonians, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the fact that I came from a theater background. Mm. because that's what he did too. He was he like he was a theater guy. He mm. was working in Williamstown, and then Bruce Paltrow was like, "Why don't you come write television? Yeah, make more money." Okay, Bruce Paltrow, holy right. shit! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so, yeah, like, so literally with Tom as your, as his assistant, uh, which, uh, you know, I think Kyle mentioned, he gets up every morning at five, yep. he writes on a yellow legal pad yep. and he will send, put the, leave the pages on your desk and mm-hmm. you type them up and put them in the computer. So like, I got to basically take oh. a writing for television course every yeah. day as part of my job because yeah. I, I watched him create something from an idea. I literally put it into the computer. Wow. Would print it out. And then the next day he would read things out and move things around and add mm. some more yellow legal pad paper to mm. keep writing it. And mm. I would be the one who literally like facilitated the process of putting it all together. And, you know, like he would throw in, you know, research stuff being like, Hey, look up something like this or find something that might fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, typical also like, um, uh, personal assistant stuff because mm-hmm. you're his assistant. I yeah, didn't right. ever have to fly a cat to his mom. <laughs> that I'm was like, a crazy what? story. I'd that forgotten about legend. that until you just mentioned. I got lucky. Legend. I oh, had man. other you know things. Nothing as legendary as that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I worked for Tom for a long time, and you know he would give me encouragement and here and there, and you know back then that was the early aughts as and you know like I. I had uh, I had like created like a website or like a blog that I posted on to kind of keep in touch with like my friends and like right. to share pictures. This is all pre like Facebook ruin the world mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> occasionally, like he would somehow read uh, one of them. Like I think oh, when I got had like my I, I, had, I had an appendicitis once, like emergency, and I'd written this whole like stream of consciousness thing to kind of you know just 
to share the news and to kind of entertain my friends. And he saw it yeah. and he was like, that's one of the best things I've read in the last year. I was like, wow. what are you lying about? Wow. And, and like he would he would encourage me. But, you know, of course, crippling self-doubt, mm. imposter mm. syndrome. I was like, eh, it's not it's I don't I don't think it's for me. I love working for writers. I don't know yeah. if I could do this myself. Right. Um, but, you know, eventually and, and you know, it was a process where it kind of continues and expands and you know it would get to the point where he'd be developing new things and he would be like well put stuff together like see what kind of things would work and frame like i remember we were working on something about like the fbi's anniversary and so i ended mm -hmm. up having to like comb through their history and figure out like what's some interesting things that could talk about like society today and how their role played or what could speak and uh, you know there was lots of different things and and eventually he had a show go called Borgia um, yep. and he offered me, you know, the chance to write on it and do a script. And um, it coincided with me having my first child. Mm. So Cutie. I was like, okay, well, what I could do is I can say yes. And I could write the script that he's asking me to, mm -hmm. then I'll have the kid. And at that point, uh, you know, I'll most likely biff it and he won't ask me to keep working. So I'll stay home and take care of the kid. Like right, it'll be, right. it, it's yeah. timing out perfectly. Perfect. <laughs> I love, and, I love and the, the negative planning. Yeah. Exactly. I love the yeah. negative planning through this. It's like, yeah. what is the worst case scenario with the best possible thing in my life? Yeah. Yeah. No. This is how these two things intersect. This is how they work together. This is how, yeah. I, this is how, this is how someone like me protects themselves from disappointment. Mm -hmm. By already pre-disappointing yourself. I did it at, like on Christmas as a kid. I know I'm never getting the actual big thing I want. So that way, if it wasn't there, yeah, you're fine. Totally fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, What's funny the, about the this, only hang up was that Tom actually liked the script, I guess. Uh, and so yes. Yeah. That damn it. That was unexpected. Damn it. And then he asked me to be a staff writer on the first season of the show. Well, it's what's what's nice, and again, remind me of your high school teacher's name again. Pat. 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 Okay. Pat. What? Cowder was her last name. Cowder. Okay. Yeah. I just want to remember it, but it, but it just seems like there's two people now who yeah. saw something that you might have not seen. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Because Definitely. you know, if we co compare and contrast you to Kyle, what I know of Kyle and what he said in his interview, and what I know as his friend is like he was also like he was a playwright. He was working on yeah. this stuff. This is kind of the thing he wanted to do. And then like he happens into Pop Tom Fontana, who was like, oh, he, what was he picking him up from? Yep. Like in Tom the airport. He's Tom was from the airport, the right? Airport. Yeah. It's like, who's this Tom Fontana guy? Okay, right? So both yep. of you kind of in the same way end up with literally one of the game-changing, genre-changing television creators of all time. It's who's a lottery ticket. It's yeah. a lottery ticket. It really, yeah. it really was. Like, it, I could have ended up in on another show and yep. been in the writer's office or in another office and never, like, you know, I've been on shows where they're not interested, like, because it takes effort. Yeah. And, you know, I think there is a world, it is different <clears throat> when you're on a, an individual season of a show because you're in this very specific time frame and you're mm -hmm. working towards a very specific goal. Yeah. And to meet someone like Tom, who's at a point in his career where he can do whatever the F he wants, yep. whatever interests him, mm -hmm. and he has his own company and mm -hmm. he can take the time to invest in people. And yeah. No, I, I, I will, I say to the day I die, I got, I got lucky. That's it. That's like that's yeah. how it works. I happen to get lucky and I happen to find someone who cared enough and was interested enough 
mm. to try to bring something out of me that I was reluctant to share. Yeah. Mm. It, it's wild because, I mean, you know, contrasting you to Kyle, like besides like a little bit of the blog stuff, like you weren't writing anything. So like Tom didn't have a lot to go on to say, oh, you're, you're going to be able to write this episode. So it's really like, I, I don't know. I, I think he's magic. Cause I've been to his, I yeah. worked with him and I know him now. And um, he seems like a magical person. <laughs> he, uh, so, he definitely is. No, yeah. cause I, I like living in New York, like I didn't write plays. Mm -hmm. I didn't write, you know, like I didn't write sh fictional short stories. Mm -hmm. I, I would, he, he would see my writing in terms of like what I either shared or he saw, or he yeah. saw like the writing I would do on his behalf. Yeah. And he knew just me as a person and what I, uh, you know, I don't know. He, he, but he, he would always say, like, he would say, he was like, you realize you're a writer, right? And I was that's like, amazing. I, I was like, I, I, I was like, I, even if in my heart of hearts, that's what I want. Yeah. I would be, a, you know, again, I, I got issues, but I would, I would it, 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 afraid to try to grasp it for fear of failing. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Mm -hmm. um, I, it just reminds me of a past guest who's one of my dearest friends, who's a writer. Um, he's now writing more novels than he wrote uh, screenplays and so forth. And he was a playwright before. But when I was coming up as an actor, I met him and I did one of his plays. And then I wanted to be in his next play, but he hadn't written a part. It was like a monologue thing. Joshua James, by the way, Joshua yep. James. Yep. Um, and, uh, he goes, hey, why don't you, um, he had this monologue and he had the first line and the last line. He was like, hey, man, if you can fill in that monologue, you know, uh, do the part. And I was like, I don't know if I can, I don't write. Ah. And then I sat down and I was like, huh. And then I just sort of tooled something out. And I was like, I think this is good. And I sent it to him. He was like, yeah, I told you you're a writer. And again, it wasn't like he saw anything that I'd written. He'd seen me act, certainly. And he'd seen me sort of deal with his material. But, you know, just to have the sort of foresight to look at somebody and be like, you know, especially on a Tom Fontana level where he's like, all right, kid, come on over here. And I'm, you know. I'm going to, you know, pad one. I'm going to give you your lightsaber that you don't realize that you actually have. And mm. I'm going to show you the force. And that's kind of, that's awesome. And I love that because it's, um, I think it's something that we don't do, right? Enough of, right? Like we Without don't mentor, right? Um, we had a guest on before. I, I keep bringing up uh, Kwaku, your boy, Luca Perry. Yeah. Yeah. And talking about this episode we did called Ikigai, which is like this philosophy about instead of like setting up people as cogs in a wheel in our education system, like really like your teacher, look into your eyes and be like, hey, come over here. I think this is might be cool for you. And let's yeah. like invest time. I don't know where it's going to go. I'm not saying you're going to be an actor or a writer or anything, but I'm going to take you to this weird dance thing. Yeah. See yeah. what you get out of it. Maybe yeah. it turns you into a mathematician. I don't know, but like open up your mind. And uh, I think that, you know, people like her and Tom Fontana and other people I know, Joshua James, it's like an, it's like an ancient art that has been um, sort of let, that's gone fallow for some reason. So yeah. that was going to be my question. So yeah. one or two <laughs> questions. And my son, my son, I always make fun of him. We, we call them infinite questions because it's always, and one more thing. Um, <laughs> But so the first question is, does that happen now in the same way that it happened for you? Um, so that was question number one. And question number two, if it's not happening now, what is it? Is it the social media piece? Is it like, um, is it like the millennial piece of, and nothing against millennials, but the, the idea of people expecting things to happen sooner. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Not, you know, the idea of being an apprentice, even with the process that you described, yeah. I had this friend who, you know, knew someone who was close to you too. And they were describing the writing process for the edge where it's just like, he has something running like a tape running constantly. And then mm-hmm. he'll be like, Hey, what was that thing I was playing when you brought the, you know, you brought like the Thai food, you brought the pad Thai. What was that thing? And he has a guy who can go and look, because it's the same guy who went to get the food, who's also <laughs> running the tape machine or running the computer, mm-hmm. that can go and look up the mark and know what was ordered. And that's part of his creative process, which mm-hmm. reminded me of what you were talking about as far as like how you were working with Tom Fontana. And when I was thinking, like, is there an equivalent in music? And there is on the production side, but mm-hmm. not on the mm-hmm. artist side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And writers are in this place where it's like you're kind of straddling that line. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because you are an artist, but you're a key to the production of it. Because with no story, what are you, what are you, what are you doing there? Mm-hmm. And so does this, man, this isn't even a question. This is more of a diatribe. Um, does this happen <laughs> with other writers? Now, like, would you mentor someone or do you uh, have I, you? I, I, I would definitely, I, I, when I get to the position where I can make decisions to like have that happen, I would certainly hope so in my own where I am right now in my career, I always try to make myself accessible to any of the assistants or anyone uh, who like has questions or needs me to read a script and give feedback. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I work with the um, our union, the Writers Guild East, um, and they have a couple fellowships and programs where they try to get um, scripts from kids either in in college or coming out or people who want to try to find a pathway Mm -hmm. um and they do like um you know mini kind of mentoring through there and so a lot of times i'll I'll like read the scripts and give feedback and try to connect with people um i think i think the reason it doesn't happen as much now is because back when tom was coming up you had uh, i mean it was a different landscape um you had shows that would run for a very long time and would put people in a position where they were very comfortable and had positions of power. Mm -hmm. And so they could groom people and mentor them and bring them up. Now, the way it was structured back then, it was a very specific type of person who would get those opportunities. I think now one of the good things with social media and with um, just in general, hopefully how we're progressing to the future, uh, more people we're trying to find more people Mm -hmm. in all sorts of avenues and people who normally wouldn't get those sort of opportunities and Mm -hmm. i think social media allows you to connect um in a way you know that's wasn't accessible before like now you can follow a television writer on twitter or Mm -hmm. a producer on twitter or a director and you know it's it's not saying that that's the way that you're going to get a job but there are ways to foster connections that were inaccessible, inaccessible before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes they happen and sometimes they don't. And um, I think the, the real challenge nowadays is the way the landscape has changed. Um, shows are always on such a razor's edge of, are we coming back or are we not? How many episodes do you get? It. Like if you get an eight episode order for a television show, you're not going to give one of those eight episodes to an assistant right. and take a chance on them because mm-hmm. you only have eight episodes and you have to prove. And, and a lot of times I've, what I see happening is like, well, next year we'll mm. hopefully give you a script. Uh. But then next year comes and there's another set of things. And, you know, it's, it's not always the fault of the showrunner, but I, 
I would hope that if I am ever in that position, or at least I'm in a higher position to lobby for it, that it would be a priority because I don't yeah. see how people, it, it, it is a, those opportunities are few and far between and they can change someone's life. Yeah. And so, you know what, give them, give them a script, give them half a script, pair them with a, a seasoned writer and, and just see how they swim. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's, it's also, it's, you know, I understand um, the stakes involved, but they're just as likely to screw it up as somebody else. Like not yeah. everybody gets it every time. And I, if we don't allow for learning, um, you're just going to end up with the same voices over and over and it's, you're not, you're not getting anything new out of it. Yeah, yeah. It's the truth. And it's, it's so strange that, you know, now that there's ways that this pipeline has opened up, right? Where it's like, you know, way back when Tom was a boy, there's like maybe three channels and however many television shows, like 12, let's say. And now we've got, we don't even have channels anymore. We have services and streaming and thousands yeah. of television shows that you can't even sort of keep up with. But like you said, those shows are on a razor's edge. Um, I've seen, you know, I've been in things where we're like, yeah, we're getting a second seat. What? We're not. You know what I mean? No. It's like, Yo, you know, I, and they just have, I have money horses. Yeah. I have and it's, but, but it's weird that with the, the plethora of material out there, it still seems like those opportunities are hard because of what you just said. They're so yeah. like, oh my God, we might get canceled. We only have eight, we only have eight shows. We only have 12 shows. So like, we still have to sort of silo this. It's, um, it's a real strange dilemma. But yeah. I, I cut you off, Kwaku. I'm sorry. Well, I, well one thing I was going to shout out, <coughs> shout out to our girl, Ozzy Tesfai. Oh, yeah. Who, mm-hmm. Uh, she's a she's a, an actor, but she co-wrote. Is this what I was reading about? Uh, this Supergirl, on, yeah. She co-wrote the series finale. Yeah, which awesome. speaks to what you're talking about mm-hmm. because she co-wrote the series finale. So there's there's, there's, there's no skin that, in the yeah. game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're not they're not dependent on. Well, if we give her the shot, what's going to mm-hmm. happen? But yeah. they did still give her the shot, and yeah. and I mean I haven't seen the episode, but shout out to her. Yeah, and then also so. There's this thing in our household. I'm going to say this. I'm going to call out some shows. My wife is like, uh, let's watch Bridgerton. And I'm like, I don't want to watch that. But she's like, no, let's let's watch it. And I'm like, okay. So we're watching it, you know. And and on Netflix, there's a little thing on there. It says, and then there's a new season coming soon or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's a second season coming. Mm-hmm. And so we had this whole debate last night because we watched an episode. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. This is trash. Mm-hmm. I, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I just I just can't get into this. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. and she raised this point. She's like, oh, well, you know, a lot of people are into this. This is the most highly watched show on Netflix ever because mm-hmm. it, you know, because in these times people can watch this and there's no anxiety attached to it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And it made me realize, oh, I want some anxiety attached to my stories <laughs> because I want to get a little lost. And I'll, I'll, you know, sometimes I'll sit out there like, dude, I know you're in this. I support you. It's just not the thing that I'm into. Sure. And, and so I haven't watched it. But this other thing that you did, and I brought up Away. I'm like, Away is this amazing show. Oh, right, right. Fantastic. Amazing show. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing in the way that it is similar to the person who produced Bridgerton. It has this sort of graze thing because there's a lot about the interpersonal. Oh, right, okay. You have the science fiction. You have the science, but you also have how people are relating to each Mm -hmm. other. So you're reaching a wider audience. Mm -hmm. Amazing show. Mm -hmm. That 
that and this is me griping not just because Ato is my friend but like so that doesn't get renewed already Bridgerton has another season my wife and I are so pissed off about it (laughs) we were totally ready for we're like yeah and uh, got such a great reception and we're like great we can't wait to see what happens next yep the number of friends I don't even tell him half the time the number of people text me like yo man Tell your boy, man, that was wrong. He was wrong. That show was great. I don't even, I don't even, hilarious. Hard dudes, too. I was like, really? <laughs> but so, my question yeah. here do you find as a, uh, as a writer that there is this move? Someone brought this up to us before when they were comparing like TV shows like fast fashion. And I've read a couple of articles where there's like, yeah, this is great because you can scroll your phone while this is on. Mm hmm. Do you find that this is like a thing? And and I'm gonna, I mean, I don't know anybody in Bridgerton, so I can just say it. Out there, you're in the business, I'm not. This to me feels like one of these shows where it's like, great, uh, you can scroll your phone, you can buy some shit on Amazon or be on mm-hmm. Instagram or TikTok, and it's on. And it's like, yeah, you wake up for the sex scene and you go back to your phone. Do you find <laughs> that this is the thing that you're that writers are battling against as far as like depth of story versus uh, versus mm-hmm. um especially now? where people want to get lost in different ways. Sure. I think it it's hard because I think there, I don't know. I'm also someone who is uh, possibly to my detriment is not a highly critical viewer. I know what I like. Interesting. And I know, and you know what, if something isn't for me, I'm just like, eh, okay, well, but so, if somebody else likes it, I don't, you know, begrudge them, yeah. um, you know, their enjoyment in it. And, you know, I think, I think that probably falls into like, you know, uh, an, an elevated soap opera type uh, mm-hmm. show mm-hmm. where it's, yes. it's very pulpy and you get what you want out of it. And, right. and, you know, I think, I think normally I gravitate towards something that has a little bit of that tension mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. And I am very much like a character person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say over the last year, I have not gravitated towards the tension television mm. or the high point. My wife, television. she was making the same, same uh, point. I, I am, I am in your, and, and for me, for me, it's less going towards, but I will say there's a distinction for me. I'm, I'm less interested. I'm never really interested in a disposable, not disposable, but a distractive uh, embracing kind of show. Like, like, you know, if I'm watching a scripted show, like I'll put on HGTV or food network if I just want something in the background. Right. Yeah. But if, if I'm, I'm watching a show, I want to watch it and I want to feel something. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I've found that I've been watching shows that I don't even know what you qualify them as probably shows, shows about generally good people mm-hmm. trying to be good and do things Got that, it. And, yeah. and how they affect other people's lives. Mm-hmm. Like for me in the past, past year, like Ted Lasso. Um, I was going to say that <laughs> I keep it, hearing about it. it. I heard it, it was amazing. It is a warm hug of a television show. <laughs> it has zero cynicism in it, mm-hmm. but is not saccharine. Right. Like, no, but it does though, because it has because it's 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 uh, based in England, so yeah. it has it has that cynicism sort of built into it. Mm. Yeah, but I guess not I, through the it, characters, not through him. Like he yeah. is a he is a genuinely like positive character, but which isn't to say that he's naive or a fool, which right. is how normally these type of people are, you know, characterized in shows nowadays. Like right. they're considered like the idiot and right. they're, they just don't know what's going on, but they're always happy about it. Like yeah, right. it was generally up, watching a, a, <laughs> like a person whose philosophy is one of 
positive outlook and bettering the people around him and finding those something inside of them yeah. right. and watching how they affect all these people who are wrestling with their own shit. Yeah. Against the backdrop like of a, Montana a I guess the backdrop of a European soccer team that is like failing. Yeah. But it's, what I, yes, I, run, watch it. It's totally worth the 10 episodes. What I was saying is that Ted Lasso sounds like your high school teacher and Tom Fontana with you. Kind of. Yeah. yeah, Like genuinely funny jokes as well. Like it's, it's a great show. And, you know, I, I feel like there are other ones in that vein that I've kind of been like, uh, digesting over the last year like i watched Shit's creek which they start off as like terrible people Mm -hmm. and at first you're like i don't know if i like this but then you know again it's like they learn and they're uh, you watch people turning into good people or becoming Mm -hmm. good people i gotta watch that yeah that's there's there's there's, i think there's quite a few of them out now which is kind of a refreshing change of pace to come from you know like the office the, mm-hmm. or at least the british office you know what i mean like right, i think yeah. it was a real run of which i also enjoyed like cringing comedy and all yeah. of that and yeah i don't know i feel like i feel like there's a world for that even within you know dramas and and stuff and it's also probably it's like a palate cleanser for what i'm what i'm working on like on my current job so, so right. let's let's get to that real nice quick nice pivot nice pivot <laughs> yeah, very this good. guy's I was a professional we gotta get to it at some point right yeah, he's a professional because i was like you're definitely not working on a uh you know a feel no, good not, show that makes I'm you not feel... working on a show right now that lends itself to that no so you're not working on bridgerton i no, am not working not. on bridgerton okay. <laughs> and that would have made things real awkward really real <laughs> Debolt on Bridgerton. I've never seen it, but that would be hilarious. His episode would come along and be like, "What the? Fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting on that." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay. I, the thing is, is, I've worked on so many different. Uh, the, like, you look at my the resume of stuff that I've written on, and it mm. is it All is across the spectrum. Yeah, like yeah. you know, starting off with Tom on Borgia and Copper, um, pretty heavy, mm-hmm. heavy shows, mm-hmm. um, and then. You know, I, I worked on, uh, I, there was a couple of years where I worked on a number of shows that were in like mini rooms where you like, you were developing them. You'd figure out what the whole first season is. You'd write a bunch of episodes and then you would like send it to the network for them to make it. And mm-hmm. most of the time they didn't. And one time we were going to, we were doing a show based on a series of like Cuban novels. Oh, we wow. were actually shoot in Cuba. It was called mm-hmm. Havana Red. And like, we were ready to go. Oh, I remember you telling me about this. Yeah. yeah. Oh we, yeah, we had a room together. It was mm-hmm. fantastic. Like we were, it was like a period piece in like 1990s Cuba after the yeah. fall of the Soviet Union. Yeah, and what happened in Cuba there against the backdrop of like you know a crime, right? Um, and yeah, we were like in a shooting Cuba and everything, and then Donald Trump was elected. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. suddenly nobody wants to take the risk of trying to film in Cuba. No, so yeah. it went away. Damn. Um, I but didn't like, know that. yeah, like, thanks, I, Obama. Yeah. <laughs> Damn Antifa. Like I've, I've worked on like those heavier shows like that, but I've also like I worked on a sh- ABC show a couple of years ago, which oh, was yeah. one of the weirdest shows that I've ever worked on. But like such a blast! It mm-hmm. was again one of those like one year shows that like not a lot of people watched. But was it was Kevin called, something. Kevin. Kevin prob- it was called Kevin Probably Saves the World. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I heard of this. Uh, yeah, it was it was a. I'm trying to think how it. I think if you look at the Wikipedia page, it, it describes it as a high concept fantasy angelic family comedy drama. Yes, that's what I remember. There's there's like a, a Christian show, element or something. But right? like it was, I, I love like the, the 
the creators, uh, Michelle Fazekas and Tara Butters, um, and then uh, a dear friend of mine who I work with on um, Ed, Chris Dingus, was uh, the number two on it, and and it was just the weirdest show. Yeah. But like, they they re they just you know it it was a great room of people to kind of like let's just, I don't know, explore stuff. But again, like a lot of like heavy emotion and mm -hmm. a lot of jokes, yeah, and weird stuff. So yeah. I have written like light network stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then my next job was uh, going from a show that like very little people watched and was canceled mm -hmm. after a year yeah, to a show that is now entering its 11th season and has been the most watched show in the world. It's a small show. Decade. It's a little show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. About zombies. What? it's the one i so I, I got a job on the walking dead uh, mm -hmm. a couple years ago Which wow right yeah, much the hell up Kate much Kevin's bigger alley. show yeah it's definitely jumping into a different uh a different atmosphere it yeah. was something I, I like so i came on in the 10th season um and uh yeah angela kang the showrunner she uh she took over in the ninth season um and uh really uh, it, it kind of reinvigorated it creatively and you know we try like to come on to something with such a legacy and yeah. uh, a standard and like you know any show you come on after it's been on you have to figure out like what's the voice and what mm -hmm. stories have you told and you know so to 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 cram for like the interviews on that was you know i had already watched some of it and i'm a comic book guy so i had read it and mm -hmm. but um yeah, that's not um, a light uh, digest. It's <laughs> not Ed. Yeah. <laughs> it is not Ed. Yeah. <laughs> it is not Ed. Um, so, but I was just, you know, lucky enough to get the opportunity to write for it and, you know, to, to jump into something like that, which has a lot more eyeballs on it mm -hmm. and has a complete, like, I had never done something on the level of this in terms of, like, um, you know, action and effects and mm. just production value um mm. but fortunately like you know again apprenticing under tom he i i had a producing experience above my title mm -hmm. um you know i yeah. came that as like a mid-level writer mm. um on that season and but i had the experience of uh, that a lot of upper level writers don't always yeah. have um yeah, right. for tom like he sent us to set and we mm. supervise the filming just like he would have if mm. he hadn't been doing another show at the mm. same time. Um, Interesting. But at least it, I, I felt, I feel very comfortable in terms of production and I understand like the challenges and things like that. Cause you're, you're always having, you're always having two hats on as a television writer, you yeah. know, your producer hat and your, your creative hat and you, you try to marry them both, but, it's not always possible. Uh, you yeah. do your best. You and Kai yeah. were on set all the time, and I remember when you when we were talking, you told me you got The Walking Dead. I was like, that is so up your alley. Yes, it was. Like, my <laughs> God. Yeah, I mean the That's... the challenge of it being like it was one thing to take a flight up to Toronto uh, every couple of weeks and spend weeks, and then flight back to Jersey. Um, <clears throat> but the tough thing, which uh, you know, Walking Dead is not based in New Jersey. <laughs> uh, right. So I, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where this is my career. And so when an opportunity like this happens, you got to take it. So I, yeah. I spent, uh, you know, all that first season that I was on, um, flying back home every other weekend. 
And so I would be commuting back and forth a lot of time on planes and, you know, but the job's the job and you got to do what you got to do. And I mean, I know when my, I was growing up, my dad had to travel for work a lot for Mm -hmm. a long time and, you know, it's not ideal, but it will, it will have pay off in the long run. You know, does it have health insurance? (laughs) Okay. I'm telling you, once you can join a union, if you have the opportunity in your field, please do so because they provide so much stability. I will have health insurance now for quite some time. I've already got a pension, which is not something I never actually considered I would ever have Mm -hmm. uh, somebody who saw a future in theater. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah. And so I, I do have to, I mean, the one benefit of, uh, it being a global pandemic, uh, mm-hmm. for the past year is that, uh, I was not as surprised by a lot of the things that happened. <laughs> I've, I've spent so much time thinking about the apocalypse. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It didn't quite play out the same way. Yeah, uh, a little crazier in some. Instances. Yeah, a little crazier, and yeah. people are not as uh, brave as they like <laughs> think they are. Yeah, was toilet paper a big aspect of some of the no, episodes? Didn't that the, you... We didn't see the toilet paper coming. We actually, you know, the funny. I mean, every so often we're like, where? What do they wipe their ass with now? Like <laughs> right. ten years into the apocalypse, twelve years into the apocalypse, you just kind of avoid that people have to sleep or go to the bathroom. Yeah. Right. Oh, right. good grief. Two, two apocalypse rules. Yeah, okay, but fair I, enough. Over the past year, I guess the, the only upside for me is that uh, everybody had to work remotely. Mm-hmm. So now I was no longer having to fly back and forth. Yeah, um, right. So I've I've made out, I guess, that's my positive for the past year. Um, yeah. I, I've been locked up home, but at least I'm home. That's mm-hmm. rad. And you got, I yeah. love your wife and I, I, I've met your little girl once way, way back on copper, mm-hmm. but like I see pictures every once in a while on Instagram and like, she's also super cool, like super yeah. nerd. Like she yeah, dresses up, lovely. she likes Star Wars characters, but like all the bad guys, like she dresses up like guys. Vader and, yep. and it's like, you, you're good parents. <laughs> like that's awesome. <laughs> I don't know if I'm doing any of it right, but it, she yeah. seems to be doing good. So we're just going to keep. There keep you go. That sort of thing. Rad. Man. So yeah, Walking yeah. Dead. Well, congrats, brother. Yeah, we're yeah. finishing it out, and we're doing. Uh, yeah, over the over the over, <laughs> over last we started last the season. We started season eleven <clears throat> last January, mm-hmm. and so I uh, I actually had flown home in March mm. uh, or at the end of February to write my first episode of the season. Right. And so I had like the week to write. So I was like, Oh, I'm just going to write from home. Yeah. And then halfway through that week, they called and we're like, don't come back. Yeah. <laughs> we're not going into the office anymore. Yeah. And I was home ever since all yeah. of my clothes oh, were still out there. Yeah. Oh, wow. Everything. Yeah. My underwear, my yeah. office is full of, was full of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, I was staying with friends who are incredibly generous with Jeez. me and allowing yeah. me to stay with them and have yeah. not, openly said that they resent me staying there and so <laughs> I, I they've been more than generous and they uh i finally <laughs> i finally asked if they could uh, send my my underwear and sweaters <laughs> back i think in like november hilarious wow hilarious. i missed this cardigan that's why yeah I oh, was that, okay was that was that a, that was a, in california okay you know i didn't need it during the summer but come on now yeah i need my cardigans yeah fair enough Fair enough. It's literally fall in New Jersey weather here right now. We don't have 30 inches of snow uh, like you yeah, guys yeah. have. Tundra. Yeah, it's nuts. 
but I, yeah. California nights can get chilly. Oh man, God there we go. Uh, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but anyway, this was awesome, man. Um, this what what a what a treat. I um, I always get something out of this stuff, and uh, you're you're a cat that I you know I've we've known each other for so long, and I've I've yeah. always I think I've reached out a couple of times, but then like my schedule will change and I forget to call back and I'm like, yeah, yeah. So I'm glad I finally got to get you on this show because I'm like, I got to get DBZ on this show, man. He's just a dope ass dude. So I'm just, it's my pleasure. You know, I don't don't know how much, uh, I don't know how dope my shit is, but no, it's pretty dope. Yeah, It's pretty dope, bro. It's pretty dope. (laughs) I, you know, it's first, I mean, this is another, uh, I hate to use this term, but pandemic benefit. All yeah. these, like, there are a lot of people where scheduling wise, like, typically, I mean, Otto's talking about his schedule. It is, I, this is the first time I think in an Otto and I's relationship where I'm the one that's difficult to schedule. Right. Because normally yeah. I'm just like, what time zone are you going to be? Where? where I'm like, where, I don't where know. Where he is in the world. Yeah. Can I, will this work if yeah. we if we squeeze it in in this 45 yeah. minutes? You yeah. know, so, um, yeah. Kevin, it is a distinct and pure pleasure. Um, I, so you can't even take that as a comment. No, I really can't. Yeah. Yeah. You're just like, he so, says this to um, everybody. Like, he's right. really not true, but okay. Yeah. No, I'm, it's 100% flat. true. Yeah, and I, and I'll, I'll be really specific to try to hammer it home. The idea of of um, collaborative creation as um, as a shield or cover to, to be your truest self or to be intimate, that mm. is not something I've ever thought of. Mm. I, I had neither. So if, if it wasn't for your question and the like, Oh wait a minute! That's actually what's going on. Uh, I probably might have never realized it, and I would have kept going in ignorance. Yeah. But I've been I've been inspired by it, and that mm-hmm. that's literally we don't do this for the money because we don't have advertising. You yeah. have to right. listen to our voices the entire time. This is so. not where I get my health insurance from. <laughs> yeah, Definitely not. Exactly. <laughs> I'm still looking forward for that to that yeah. uh, office that used to be a sauna. Like I now have, that's the other thing. I have the other thing to aspire that's right. to. It's right. It's oh, pretty man. great. I mean, yeah. no. Yeah. It's amazing. The stories in those walls must be crazy. <laughs> I try not to think about it most yeah. of the time. Yeah. But I, I, yes, if these walls could talk, it's, it mm. would And that's where you're writing? Too. The ghosts are getting in you, man. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and with that said, who are you with the little naughty dreads? Because <laughs> I, I, I can't take glasses. Yes. yes, that's me. I'm Kwaku. And who are you? I'm Atu, and this is Radio Zamunda, the dope shit. Yes. And who? And, do you want to do it? Or can I? Oh, no, it? you you go for it. You can I, can it. I do this? Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> who have we had the pleasure? And that's the thing. I always lose track of time. Because yeah. I, I think I'm definitely over whatever. I know. That's, I was, why, that's I why I was set. cutting it off. I appreciate I was like, You're not paying attention, bro. No, so, no my wife is going to be like, dinner's done. You're not eating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who have we had the distinct pleasure of spending some amount of time with? I couldn't even tell you how much. Who? It's my good friend Kevin Debolt. DBZ. DBZ. Fosheezy. My dude. Yeah. Thank man. you, Kevin. Thank Thanks, you, for, brother. Thank you for my, sharing this time with us. My pleasure, yeah. guys. My pleasure. Yeah. Anytime. All right, and 
we're back. E beasy. E beasy for sheezy. You know, I mean, there, there are few beezies in my life, right? Kevin, people, <laughs> I call him Keezy Beezy. Your wife, I won't give her, her real name, but I call her Nabeezy. And, um, you know, and when I when I give the easy sort of, um, uh, 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 I guess, um, name, that's, right. that's somebody I like dig and, and really respect. And um, I'm so glad that I finally was able to work the schedule. It was my fault uh, to get him on because he's a busy man, um, but he's such a cool sort of Aw shucks, dude. <laughs> I love so is. <laughs> man, it's like how, you know, I don't, I, man, I just never understand people who are just that modest yeah. where they just need to own like their greatness in that yeah. way. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. making fun of myself by saying, I'm not saying I'm great, but you know. <laughs> but you're the same. You, you do the same thing. Yeah. I do the exact same thing. Like yeah. I really, I was like, did you bring him on so that you could hold up a mirror and say, like, hey, Kwaku, <laughs> this is you? <laughs> Yes, Mr. Self-Deprecation himself. <laughs> Me, one another. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I was like, I can 100% relate to you as yeah. a person. <laughs> yeah. And I think what's wild about him in, in, in that cool, aw shucks way is like, he fell into the writing, right? Yeah. You know, as you know, we, 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 a couple of times we talked, we juxtaposed him with, uh, you know, our mutual, Kyle. You know, Kyle, we all knew each other. Kyle is much more focused. He was like, I'm going to be a writer. Right. Which is different from uh, uh, Beezy. He was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, um, I'll I'm into theater. Into, yeah. I worked in theater. I kind of liked it. Okay. Right. And, and, you know, and so that sort of, um, Again, I think one of the themes of our podcast is we've both discovered the book Range. Yeah. And what I love about that, but what is it? David Epstein wrote this book, Range. And I think that- Get this know, book. Yeah, get, get this book. book. Wonderful. Um, and he is quintessentially that descriptor of the person who- their parents didn't force them to play soccer or play the yeah. violin or specialize early. Yeah. Right? That teacher who now I'm going to forget her name and I'm so embarrassed that I'm about to. What is her to, name? My God. Um, I will find it because I wrote the notes. You that did. You, yeah. You kept asking him. Yeah. Is it like Crowder? Like something like, yes, Pat Crowder. Pat. <laughs> yes. It's, I'm going to get it wrong, but I'm sorry, DBZ, but I will correct that. Anyway. Um, he, you know, he was just given a bunch of things. Hey, try this. Hey, look at this. Yeah. Hey, do this, right? And then, unbeknownst to him, he's being fed what he's going to eventually be able to do with alacrity and with a, a skill that's, you know, I've done his work. I've spoken his words. So I'm not just saying that, oh, I watched an episode of whatever you did. I right. actually was a, a character that he writ, wrote for. Um, and I love that... Um, Tom Fontana sort of took him under his wing like fucking Obi-Wan. And, yeah. you know, Kevin had no idea that he was, you know, a Padawan Jedi. And, yeah. you know, Tom Fontana, as he did with Kyle, as he's done with a lot of people that I know who've gone through the Tom Fontana system, becomes this great, capable, beautifully imaginative uh, imaginative writer. Um, and it's just like, he kind of fell into it. I love that 
And I've made fun of Tom a million times because he's so old school. Like the guy might as well write with a quill and a pen, right? And then I mean, he, it's not he's, that far removed with the legal. Right, pad. he's not that far removed, right? <laughs> and then he hands like the handwritten stuff to his scribe, in this case Kevin, who then has to type it in, and he's almost by osmosis, you know, developing his writing skills by essentially, in a way, almost copying literally copying Tom Fontana's words, right? And it's- uh, True apprenticeship. It's apprenticeship. true apprenticeship. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one day I got to, I, I bet I could get Tom on here because he's a fascinating dude and I'd love to just pick his brain. Um, but just yeah. that sort of, um, uh, it, it is, a, like I said, or both of us, I think said, it's, it seems to be a lost art these days, like people actually mentoring and people actually yeah. trying to find what it is in somebody and bring that out of them. Something that that person doesn't know. Again, I, I think that um, we should we should invite uh, Luca Perry on as like another KJ, somebody that we come in that, that can just drop knowledge because that whole <laughs> notion. You know what I mean? Because every I I I I keep going back to the ikigai thing, right? Yeah. And, yeah. What Tom and this is a, a past episode that we um, we did with um, Kwaku's dope shit, uh, a guy, a cat named Luca Perry, and he's from Australia. And Ikigai is just a system of ways of looking at educating people in a way to bring out their greatness, their um, their inspiration, and see how they can sort of be inserted or uh, integrated into society, not as a cog in a wheel, but as something, somebody who is like um, understanding what they can do and what they can do naturally and using that to sort of push them forward in society yeah. instead yeah. of saying, this is what you can do to make money. So you should be a doctor, you should be a lawyer, you should be a right. coder, right? Um, and I feel like Tom Fontana does that kind of stuff naturally. And that's how we get somebody like a Kevin Diebold who's like, huh, I didn't know I even liked theater or writing or anything like that. And right. then somebody gives him the opportunity and he goes, oh, wow, same thing. I gotta, I gotta shout out my boy who came on here, um, Joshua James, yep. same thing. I told that yeah. story where he's like, yeah, you know, I think you can write, try this. I don't know if I can write, Josh, what are you talking about? And then next thing I know, holy shit, I, I can write, I think, right? He created so, that apprenticeship moment yeah. for you. Yeah, Josh is, is actually good at that. He's really because he also teaches, right? He teaches. He's he's he also has that sort of. I think it's his martial arts training and mm. and also being sort of like a um, a storyteller himself. He's always sort of he's the kind. He's literally the kind of guy who's like who will walk the earth like Cain and like go into adventures and stuff like right, that and like right. mentor people. So it's that kind of mindset. He's also a person who's always trying to figure out how to be the best person he can be in life. And yeah. he has that sort of ikigai mentality as well. So, yeah. you know, I think that's what I love about our podcast is that we bring so many people on and then you and I start to learn things about ourselves and each other. 100%. And, you know, which is why we do these like intros and outros because I, I kind of like, oh, we can like really hash out what just happened, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. really awesome. Yeah. And I, I would add on to the, the thing with the default that he mentioned, he mentioned it really quickly, the idea of going to set 
and being the proxy for yeah. Tom Fontana. Mm -hmm. So then there's the writing part yeah. where you're learning the apprenticeship, mm -hmm. but then there's also how to be on set as a writer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, cause you don't learn that in school. No, no. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it feels, I mean, I've never been a writer. Mm -hmm. um, and the only writers I know are essentially through you, uh, right. except for Skinner Myers. Right, Skinner. Uh, who, yeah, you no. know, um, but it feels like it's really competitive. Right. Yeah. And so it's not like the other people in the writer's room are going to be like, oh, you're going to be on set tomorrow. Make sure you do this and this. Right. Don't forget your lunch. You yeah. know what I mean? It doesn't yeah. feel like yeah. that kind of atmosphere. Yeah. It's more sink or swim. Yeah. Um, and like, it's interesting how you made that connection between Ikigai and Fontana. Cause I pulled up the chart and, and like, like the main, like, you know, it's like there's love, there's what the world needs, what you can be paid for, what you're good right. at. Right. But then those sub things, passion, mission, profession, yep. and vocation. And yeah. the vocation thing, it feels like he pulls writers or people into that, yeah. whether it be through their passion or not, because yeah. we had the, the two examples with Kyle mm -hmm. and then also with Deepo, or one was like, this is my thing and, I, and I'm going to do this. And yep. the other one's like, well, I just love, and Deepo, who are, you know, I'm specifically referring to, I had this teacher who, mm -hmm. who shared their passion with me. Yes. So I gained an appreciation. Yes. And then I went to college based upon that appreciation. And then I, I, I learned to appreciate it more. I learned some skill sets. I was doing other things. Right, right. And then someone asked me to be on the show. So I learned even more. Yeah. And he's following his appreciation and following his, his passion. So it's like he's his profession and his passion. And it becomes a vocation. And through that, he starts to develop what his mission is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of awesome. We should always do that with me. every you know single I mean? being that comes out right <laughs> but it's what you're talking about yeah. and so and this is this is loosely related like Nabette was reading me this thing oops said her name anyway yeah. my wife was reading me this thing on twitter where someone's like oh there's an ethiopian who's doing the halftime show mm -hmm. you know and it was like a nigerian a nigerian talking to their parents and and the dad was like why isn't a nigerian um doing uh doing the halftime show yeah. and and the person's like because uh, you you don't let us follow our dreams. <laughs> you just told us what we could be in life, and that's it. So if you're African, it'll be funny, and if yeah. you're not, it will be funny as well. Yes. Um, but there's so much of, uh, and I get it now, being on the parental side. There's yeah. so much of it that's wrapped in fear, and I just fear. want you to be okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but if we can, as we talked about in the beginning of this, take a beat mm -hmm. and be patient. Mm -hmm. And allow and allow whether it be your kid or ourselves to see what's resonating with us mm -hmm. and what makes us excited, yep. and then allow and and there's privilege involved with this, but sure give board. give people the space to chase that a little bit, right? And balance out like I need to chase this, but I also need to eat. Yeah, and where does that where does that leave me? Yeah, yeah. You know, as opposed to I've gone to school, I've done this, I've made all this money, and mm -hmm. I know people like this, and they're just not happy. But they don't know why. Most people I know like that are not happy. Like you know, I would say 90% of them. They got money, but they're like, yeah, not. they're secure, but yeah. they're not happy. Yeah. Yeah. And if I were to come away from this talk with anything, it is the power of that. Because yeah. Debolt, for all we're talking about the self the deprecation and all that, mm -hmm. seems like a content person. Yeah. Yeah. And that to me is super powerful. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. And I guess that's where you get that humble thing because you realize, you, I mean, I, I, you realize that if you're having this kind of success and you're happy, 
it, it's really not about the showing of it or anything like right. that. Because the showing, right. it's like, I need to show you that I'm happy or I need to show you that I'm successful. But right. if you are, you don't have, need to talk about it. You don't even need to express it. It's just like, this is what I do every day and I'm really fucking lucky. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? It's, uh, I, I don't want to yeah. call too much attention to it. Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. But and yeah. he's and he's good at what he does. Yeah. That's the other part yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. So you know. Fucking hell. Well, there it is. Yeah, there it is. And <laughs> so who are you? I was gonna say that. Okay. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna flip it up on you. Who are you? I'm Atu. Who are you? I'm Kwaku. And this is Radio Zamunda, the dope shit. Yes, sir. There it is. Every day, all day. Sixty.